So the big question is this, how do veterinarians like you, who live demanding lives, who never seem to have enough time, able to achieve balance and take control of your finances with confidence? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. We are Florida Veterinary Advisors, and this is the Smarter Vet Podcast. Hey, Smarter Vets. This is Tom Seco, one of your hosts of Smarter Vet Podcast and co-owner of Florida Veterinary Advisors. Today, I've got a interesting guest with me. I think she's got a lot of awesome things to share, and uh, she's going to provide a lot of great value. Before I jump into that, I want to make sure if you haven't heard, or maybe you have heard, uh, make sure to check out our new five-part financial planning mini-series. It's called The Five Foundational Steps to Financial Balance. Um, absolutely complimentary to you. Uh, you can visit series.flvetadvisors.com, and it can, hopefully can help build up more confidence in how you're approaching your finances. So without any other word on that, I've got Dr. Julie Capel with me. Uh, she's actually practice owner. She's a veterinary life coach. She's a blogger and a podcaster, which she's got so many different skill sets on her. And I think she's got a lot of great things she's going to share with us today. So I appreciate you joining me today, Julie. All those things, right, Tom? Thank you so much for having yeah. me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you it were kinda, like- It kind of attests to my um, short uh, attention span, right? That I have to do so many things to stay interested. <laughs> I get you. I mean, I, I love podcasting. That's one of the reasons why we do this. And yeah, I love so writing. Fun. Yeah, so. me too. Well, so for anyone who isn't very familiar with you, I think it'd be good for people just to get to know you a bit. Because so for the listeners that do listen to our show, uh, could you just share a little bit about like where you're from, where you went to school, a little bit where you, how you got into where you are? Um, yeah, I'm sure people yes. love to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm from Michigan in the Detroit area. So I grew up on the west side of Detroit and now I live on the northeast side of Detroit. So I haven't gone very far from home, um, <laughs> but I grew up in Michigan, um, had a mom that was super animal oriented. And um, so I always loved animals and um, decided when I was in sixth grade, I was kind of the stereotypical veterinarian that I wanted to be a vet. And so I was laser focused on that my whole life. I went to college at Michigan State, my whole eight years, four years of undergrad and four years of vet school. Go Spartans. So, yeah, go Spartans. And that was quite a while ago. They didn't do so well in basketball, I hear, but <laughs> but anyway, yeah, go Spartans. And so um Graduated from there back in 1988, so a long time ago, and um, started working as a veterinarian and got focused on that. And my focus was mostly on getting to uh, own my own practice someday, and and I eventually did that. Awesome. So kind of that stereotypical, always wanted to be a vet story that most of us tell. Yeah. At, at what age did you did you start your own veterinary practice? Well, let's see. I was out of school about three years, so I was probably right around 30, maybe 32. Okay. And um, I didn't start it from the ground up. I bought an existing practice. I was working for two gentlemen that owned the practice that I was working for, and they were, one of them was at retirement age, and one of them wanted to move to Arizona. So I quickly kind of weaseled my way into managing their practice and helping them out because they were really, really great veterinarians, but they really didn't have a lot of interest in business management. Mm -hmm. And I did. So I kind of snuck my way in there and helped them with their practice. And then they eventually sold to me one, one first and then the other one. So I bought it half and half from them and then cool. worked it from there. Yeah. That's really, really nice. So did you already always have that itch in you to want to own a practice? Was that something you always strove for? 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm one of those people that doesn't like to be bossed. Okay. <laughs> so I have that kind of personality where I have a hard time having a boss. In fact, I got fired from my first veterinary job, which is kind of a long story, but kind of a good story. I worked for someone for three years and um, I just kept trying to change them. And of course, you know, if you own your own business, you don't want some young vet telling you how to do things. <laughs> so I eventually got fired from that job, <laughs> and, but it was a great life lesson. You know, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. And so I encourage people to fail epically because I think if you do, you can learn a lot of great lessons and how to be a good leader and how to follow your passion and, and stick to your ethics, you know, because at the time it was an ethics issue for me. So I agree. Yeah, that's one thing and I would say even with the business that I'm in and the stuff that I do, I, I couldn't work for someone. I had to have more of a, uh, my own control and be able to have more uh, you know, power over my destiny of where I'm going. So I, I can definitely like echo with you on that. It's very something I believe very wholeheartedly in. So Yeah, it's hard to be the boss, but I think in a lot of ways it's, it's better. Mm -hmm. And at least that's what I always thought. You know, I get to decide when I want to leave and when the hospital can be open and, you know, how, how much money I want to spend on whatever I want, you know, yeah, I, I your didn't own, have your own policies and procedures, how you want things to be run. I mean, like those, right. you don't have to worry about like, especially when you sit another veterinarian and tell you how to do everything. And it's interesting how, how that can be a scenario sometimes. And, but that's cool. It's, it's awesome that you have been in a practice owner for so long. And from our conversations, you've actually started switching over to life coaching recently. Right, right. Yeah, as I owned my practice longer and longer, I just, I, I'm one of those people that likes change and growing and progressing. And I felt like I kind of knew how to run the business. I, it was successful. It was going well. And my kids had gotten older and started leaving home and going to college. And, you know, I was kind of an empty nester. And I was like, all right, what am I going to do next? Mm -hmm. And so I really started looking into leadership coaching and financial coaching, which is what you do. So I find that fascinating. I, I just started really looking into what I wanted to do, you know, in addition to, but um, when I got out of practice life, what I was going to do with my life and I stumbled across life coaching. It was really an interesting thing. And I started listening to podcasts of life coaches and I started, you know, I've always been a leadership person. Like I've always studied leadership and been big into that. But when I discovered life coaching, I'm like, this is crazy. This is great. You know, I can help people this way. And, and I love helping people. And I think the veterinary profession really needs it. You know, we need people that have raised children and owned practices and had work-life balance and, you know, I did a lot of things in my career and I thought if I could do that and, and be happy and not leave the profession, maybe I can help other people do that. So I started studying it and learning about it. And my daughter encouraged me. She's like, mom, you'd be great at that. You love coaching people. So I just, I went for it and I started writing, which I never really thought I'd be a writer, but I was like, well, if I just start writing, then I'm a writer, right? <laughs> I would, well, so, so one thing is I would sit here and think of, because a lot of veterinarians are very, let's say they keep to themselves or the term most commonly used is introverted. Introverts. Yeah. And I would say you tend to, what you come across to me is more of an extrovert. And I don't know if that's something I you've absolutely always, am. Yeah. yeah. Have you been like that most of your life or is it something you kind of grew into or? Um, I think I'm, I have a tendency to be extroverted. Yes. I, in high school, I was super introverted. Like I was very quiet, very shy. I didn't say much. Gotcha. I think going through college, I just learned 
that if I wanted to have my ideas heard that I was going to have to, you know, step up. Mm. And I just, I got to the point where I wasn't afraid to speak my mind and stand up in front of people and talk. And, and I just, you know, kind of created that personality, but I think basically I am an extrovert. I like people. I like parties. I like being with people (laughs) being in COVID lockdown has not been good for me. (laughs) Yeah, no, I get you. you. My, my business partner, CJ, he's, uh, he's very extroverted himself. So he's, he's like, he gets fueled when he's around that, um, environment. So exactly. uh, Yeah. I'm thinking from here from like a leadership and like your coaching that you're doing, are there any traits that you would say that you weren't very good in at the time that you've somehow focused in on and got better at? Is there any, like maybe a trait or two that you've gotten better at? While becoming a life coach? Yeah. Cause of course, like, you know, leadership, sometimes I would I, I personally believe this, and maybe you can correct me on this, is I've always thought leadership is not something that everyone has. It's something that you grow into. And I'm just curious from an aspect of like, hey, there's something that you weren't, let's say, very efficient at or effective at over time, but you managed to grow into it. And I'm curious, I'm sure some of the people listening right now, is there anything that you were not very good at, you'd feel like, and then you became better at it? and how you were able to focus in on it, how to get better at it. Well, it's still a work in progress, you know, yeah, like I, I feel like because I'm an extrovert, I mean, I don't know how much you know about Myers-Briggs, but um, I am an ENFJ. And so mm-hmm. we have a tendency to be very much people pleasers, but also very, I would say unfocused. And mm-hmm. so in order to do this coaching business, I have to really be focused and I have to sit still and, you know, I have to be a very good listener, open up my ears. Um, and so that was a little bit difficult for me. And that still is a little bit of a struggle is the focus part of it. The other thing is not being so directive. Like when mm-hmm. I coach people, I really have to listen and let them kind of figure out what it is that they need and how to get there. And right because I was a boss for so many years and I have that kind of natural bossy personality, I just wanted to tell them what to do, like just do this. And so when I was, when I was going through life coach certification, my coaches that were teaching me um, specifically would have to give me the smackdown, you know, my coach in particular, she'd say, Julie, you're telling people what to do. You can't, (laughs) It's not about you. It's about them. Yeah. And so that was a real struggle for me. And it's a still sometimes is like, I have to really check my ego and check my, um, my bossiness at the door when I coach someone, yeah. because, you know, my natural tendency when you're running a business and people come to you for solutions, you just, you make decisions and you give them the solution. Well, that's a little different in life coaching. It's more about working discovery. Yeah, self-discovery and working them through why they're getting the results that they're getting and how their own thoughts are affecting and how their own, you know, ideas and beliefs are affecting their results that they're getting now. So, right. and it's still an ongoing struggle for me. I really have to specifically sit down before I coach someone and say, okay, you just have to listen and guide people and not recommend, you know, like I want to tell them, try this or try that. And right. that's not how it works. When I first, when I first started in this business, what was so interesting is that, you know, people always too, when you're, cause my, my job is considered kind of sales perspective thing is that how most people look at it. And it's, you know, of course that's not how we operate in a sales perspective. However, you know, it's one of those things of like, we're so, when you first start, all you want to do is just kind of regurgitate everything, you know, 
But right. when it comes to you want talking, to teach them everything, right? You want to teach them everything. And then I remember like one of the things that I had to learn a lot myself is how to become a better question asker. And it was something of like, Hey, how do I sit here and ask really thoughtful questions to get people to talk more? And that was one of those things at the time, like I, <laughs> I think seven, six, seven years ago, I was like so bad at it. And it took me <laughs> after consistent focus. And I'm still till this day, I feel like I'm like, I don't, I'm not really sure what to ask, but I'll just kind of throw something out there. You can um, always fall back on why. <laughs> you can. Yes, absolutely. You got, of That's course, you got to be careful. Question. Uh, I don't know what to ask, so I'm just going to say why. <laughs> why? I know. Yeah, absolutely. Or tell me more. Yeah. That's yeah. another way. Just get the other people talking. So yeah, I, it's I think so true. It's, it's speak less, listen more. And that's difficult for an extrovert. It, it can be. And I <laughs> appreciate your, your, your um, sharing that with us too. And, you know, when it comes to some of the life coaching that you're doing right now, are there, let's say specific things that you're helping the people that you are talking with hone in on and get better at? I mean, is there a certain like system you go through or are there certain things that you touch on? Like how, how are you making an impact? Well, I think one of the main things I try to talk to the veterinarians about is how important it is to think about what you're thinking about, because so many of the times the results we're getting in life are because of what we're thinking and how we are considering a circumstance that we're in, right? So if you have something that's bothering you, is it bothering you because it's really a bad thing? And why are you thinking of it in that way? And, I, and an example I would use is I gave a lecture one time at a dinner and this technician kept pushing me on my thoughts about, you know, your thoughts create, you know, your results. She said, but our job is sad, but our job is sad. She just kept saying that. And I said, well, yes, if you think about it as being sad, then it's sad. But I think of it as being joyful and happy. And she's like, well, what about euthanasia? I'm like, well, I think of that as a privilege and an honor and something that we get to do that's wonderful, you know? And yes, it's sad and it's okay to be sad, but that's not the way I choose to think about the profession. So I try to really convey to people that, you know, what you think about is so important and what you fill your mind with really affects the things that you get and the, the results that you get in life. Are there, so really are there any particular exercises or things that you try to have people do to, and I know not to give away all of your, your trade secrets in our conversation, but are there certain exercises <laughs> well, I that talk you're about it on my podcast all the time? So yeah, um, yeah okay. I think one of the favorite things that I learned from my life coaching is the concept, the concept that life is half good and half bad. Hmm. Okay. And that's just the way it is. And that's okay. Like, I think we grow up thinking that everything should be happy and everything should be wonderful. And we should never have a bad day or a bad circumstance enter into our life. We should never lose money, you know, in, in the financial terms. So I think that just knowing that, that that's how life is and it's okay. And opening yourself up to the fact that life is half good and half bad is really powerful and I think that's the first thing that I like to share with people is just, just think about that when you're talking about your job, you know, it's not all bad. It can be bad, but right. it can also be good and try to look for the, the good in the bad and the lessons that you can get from the things like me getting fired from my first job ended up being an amazing thing. Cause then I yeah. ended up in my own practice. So was it a terrible thing? Yeah. But was it a good thing in the long run? It was so just that concept of half good and half bad. I just found that really powerful. 
because gotcha. they don't teach us that. You know, nobody sits you down when you're a kid and says, look, sometimes life's going to be really hard and it's going to really suck. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> and that's okay. That's, that's what it's all about. And part of the beauty is living through that and then getting the good stuff on the other end. Right. And so I think that is really powerful. There's actually something that was was interesting I seen the other day and not to not to cut you off here. Oh, great. Uh, I found it just very intriguing. There's a quote I saw that, you know, approach your life and your emotions like a river. A river never flows backwards. So whatever happened in the past is the past. And you just always keep focusing on the present and where you're going in the future. And how can you just be a better you? How can you yeah. be a better version of who you are? Mm-hmm. So I and found that to be grow, keep growing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a good analogy is down, going down the river. I like that. Yeah. It was really, I saw, it, I was like, wow, that is really, that really hit me when I saw that. I was like, that's good. Yeah. So, but, and there you go. You're putting better thoughts in your brain, right? Absolutely. Yeah. What was, so, that so, serve you well. so the other thing that you're mentioning, like what was, what would you say is another thing that can happen? Um, you mean things that I do to help people? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of my other favorite things is doing thought downloads. Okay. And what you basically do is you just sit there for five minutes and you write all the things that pop into your head. And it's a really excellent way to see where your brain is at. You know, you have that primitive brain that likes to scare you and, you know, tell you all the bad things that are going to happen. And we, we live by that a lot. It's just that involuntary thought mechanism that's back there. I call it the Chihuahua brain because it reminds me of a little scared Chihuahua that wants to bite you. Are you referring to the, uh, the amygdala? mm -hmm, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The amygdala, your fight or flight. Yes. So, so many times we just let that run us and we forget that our higher brain is more powerful than that. And we can, we can change that. And so when you do a thought download, you basically see all the things that your brain is involuntarily giving you. And then you get to look at those thoughts and decide on purpose whether you want to keep them or not. And it's a really powerful exercise. And I've had people do it and they say, ooh, I didn't realize how negative I was. I never realized how negative my brain was. And then, you know, because unless you're aware of what's going on in your head, you're not going to be able to change it. Absolutely. This this life coaching stuff really... It gets me, it gets me excited because I, I love talking about this stuff because it's even, uh, I remember reading something not too long ago. I, for, I forgot where it came from. And maybe, maybe it'll come to me is that for every, you know, negative thought, it takes so many other positive thoughts to kind of counterbalance that. Right. So it's like for every one negative thought, you need like three to five positive thoughts to kind mm-hmm. of counterbalance that and get you out of a funk. So the more that you are negative, cause you are the one that creates your, create your reality, the way you view things and how you perceive stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even the, the whole thing is like, you know, this morning I really struggled with, uh, working out. I was just like, I'm not going to do it. It's the hardest, right? It was, it was so hard you really today. Have to fight with your brain. Oh, I, mean, I know. I was like, man, but I was like, I love myself and I want to, I love my body and I want to take care of myself. So I'm going to get up and I'm going to go work out right now. And it was, yeah. it was tough. Yeah. But you did it, right? I did it. Yeah, so, so- it. You beat that brain. <laughs> That's what it is. So yeah. I think yeah, it's, a- it's, it's really fascinating because when I first started learning about life coaching, it sounds kind of like one of those kind of airy, you know, veterinarians are so scientific that we want like science and numbers. And so when I first started thinking about life coaching, it sounds so, you know, kind of like yoga used to sound to people, you know, it sounds kind of out there. And, um, so when you say you're a life coach, people kind of look at you sideways, like, what is that? They don't understand it. 
But the more I looked into it, the more it makes sense. It's so scientific. It's so fascinating. And it, and it's all about training yourself. I think it'd be, people really need to connect with you if they have it. And I think it'd be great for them to talk to you. And I'm, if, if you could leave them, leave our listeners with one thing that like one thing that you can leave them with that they can go do right now, what would you suggest? Um, as far as life coaching goes in veterinary medicine, any, anything, it could be life coaching, could be around something you've learned with finances over time. It could be whatever, whatever you feel like is what people should hear right now. All right. I'll give you two. The first one financially would be go ahead and start today. Okay. Because I spent a lot of time in my early life spending money because I'm a spender, you know, extroverts like to have fun and buy things and spend money where my husband was more of the saver. And, um, I learned over time that unless you start investing early, you're going to miss out on a lot of money. And so I tell all of my coaching clients, I tell all of my employees, everybody that I come in contact with, even if it's just a few dollars a week or a month or a little bit of your paycheck, get it invested and then forget about it. And, you know, let somebody manage it like you that knows what they're doing. So that's that's one tip. My other tip would be to just not be afraid of putting yourself out there, you know, because we have that, that amygdala that keeps scaring us from stepping out of our comfort zone. And for so many years, I did that um, with my writing. I I always thought I was a poor writer, just it was my story in my head from uh, way back. And when I started investing life coaching and looking into that, I was like, well, why am I not writing? It's just a fear that I have. And so I started writing and, and got better at it and started publishing. And, and it was just a fear that was keeping me from doing something that I had wanted to do all my life. So I would say just take one scary thing that you're afraid of and just take one step towards that goal and you know get over that fear that you have of, of failure or whatever, because you know it's worse to not try than it is to you know fail doing something that you want to do. Hmm. That actually, that hits me pretty good too. Cause it's like, you know, it's, it's, it is a really big feeling or a, an awful feeling to say, I, I didn't even try. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There's actually, there's a book that I remember reading called failing forward. Oh, that's a great book. Yeah. That's a yeah. Good one. So you're failing. You're always trying to like, you want to take failures as an opportunity to grow because well, and it's you... the only way to grow, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you won't know what you don't know until you try it and fail. So that's it's, so true. it's a great learning experience. And it's veterinarians are so afraid to fail because a lot of our failures are life and death. Mm-hmm. You know, like we can lose patience if we don't make the right decision, but it's still a learning experience. And, you know, holding yourself back from making that decision doesn't make you a better veterinarian. So you really do have to step out a little bit. Perfect. I love it. Well, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure if anyone who wants to reach out to you, of course, I'm going to include your information in our podcast description. Perfect. But at the same time, if there's anyone, is, is there a way that if someone who is listening right now, is there a good way for them to get in contact with you, say through your website, through your email? What's usually the best way? Absolutely. My website is juliecapel.com or veterinarylifecoach.com. Both things will get you there. And there's areas there to sign up for my weekly words that I send out in an email every week just words of encouragement and there's places to sign up for free coaching and coaching. And then my email, jacapeldvm at gmail.com. So email me anytime. If you just want to chat, I'm available. Perfect. Well, cool. So to, to shift gears here real fast, because I always love to ask people this question. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you've thought about it or not. 
Uh, if you were an animal, what animal would you be? Oh boy, that's difficult. Hmm. I think a bird. I love birds. Okay. I Any kind of bird? bird, like a hawk or a bird of prey. Okay. Like I've always admired them because they're free and they're pretty tough. Like I like toughness and they're kind of at the top of the food chain. So maybe that speaks to my bossy nature. <laughs> <laughs> cool. But yeah, probably an eagle or a hawk or something like that. If birds count, does do birds count? <laughs> of course. The all animals count. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a bird vet. So I, I've always loved birds. That's cool. Yeah. Actually, I've, I find something about like bald eagles too and stuff like that. Oh, are very, I know they're amazing, right? They're so majestic. When I was in Alaska and I like, that's, I think they overrule the, the amount of population in Juneau. There's more bald eagles than there is population really? there. Yeah. And oh, cool. uh, it's just, it's so neat. Like they're just so incredible seeing them fly around. They're so and, big. Like, oh, if you yeah. ever see them up close, how big they are. Yes. They're huge. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. They're so big. Yeah. yeah they're amazing. Well, this is cool. I appreciate you joining me today. This has been an awesome conversation. I appreciate you having me. I love it. Absolutely. Well, so for everyone, again, I'm going to make sure I include uh, Julie's information if you didn't get it during the conversation. And again, if you haven't checked out our video series, go check it out. we got a lot of other great resources for you. And if you haven't listened to other episodes, go listen to other episodes we have. We've got a lot of other great content. Uh, but for now, this is Tom Seco wishing you a lifetime of financial success. I love it. Don't forget to visit our website and sign up for our newsletter. By subscribing, you'll be the first to know about upcoming race-approved CE webinars, podcast releases, short presentations, and articles that we publish. Make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on LinkedIn, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. CJ Burnett and Tom Seco are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, and financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. CJ Burnett's and Tom Seco's California licenses are 0K79676 and 0K80141, respectively. Security products and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, a registered broker-dealer, investment advisor, member of FINRA and the SIPC, and a wholly-owned subsidiary of Guardian. Florida Veneer Advisors is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. This podcast is for information purpose only. Only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Florida Veterinary Advisors, and opinions stated are their own. This material is intended for general use. By providing the content, Park Avenue Securities LLC and your financial representative are not undertaking to provide investment advice or make a recommendation for a specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. The individuals associated with Florida Veterinary Advisors do not maintain specialized licenses or qualifications for the financial services provided to veterinary professionals. Florida Veterinary Advisors is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. Semester number 2023-151-973 expires March of 2025.